why don't I tell you about the basic components of an underwater uh, compressed air system? Okay. Wait a Yeah. Basic parts. You've got an air compressor. Mm-hmm. So that compresses the air to high pressure, typically between 5 and 15 bars. Okay. You need an air storage vessel, so a large underwater tank that can hold the compressed air. It's made out of steel and concrete, and it's designed to withstand. Hey, this episode, we're going to discuss all about energy storage. Well, two types of energy storage anyway. We've got uh, compressed air underwater storage, and we've got CO2 energy storage, which they've put into various applications. And uh, have a listen, see what they're used for and how it works. So do you have any information, perchance, about underwater compressed energy storage? Do I? Do you? Let me tell you all about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, underwater compressed air energy storage is a promising technology. Yeah? What does it promise? I, oh, that'd love to know. Oh, for store, it has a promise of storing electricity. Oh, that's good. And it's been gaining... <laughs> Sorry. Underwater compressed air energy storage is a promising technology for storing electricity that's been gaining attention in recent years. This technology involves storing compressed air in underwater vessels at approximately the same pressure as the hydrostatic pressure in surrounding water. And this uh, provides a reaction to the pressure of the compressed air. So the compressed air can then be released to generate electricity. So basically you're filling up a tank that's underwater that uh, allows you to get away with like uh, the size of the tank that you would need above above uh, ground if you were to inject the same amount of air pressure inside right it would explode on above gotcha the air, but, okay but it's underwater so the, the pressure of the water keeps this container uh, oh, uh, intact yeah, yeah so, so you're talking about massively high uh, uh, air pressures there and so that takes some energy pump it full of air when uh, electricity is low uh, cost and then you release it, the air, and generate electricity when uh, you have peak demand times. Oh, cool. Or uh, short-term power outages. So how this works is, as I mentioned, it stores compressed air in underwater vessels at a depth for the hydrostatic pressure of the surrounding waters high enough to provide a necessary pressure for the air. Why don't I tell you about the basic components of an underwater uh, compressed air system? Okay. Wait a yeah. Basic parts, you've got an air compressor, mm-hmm. so that compresses the air to high pressure, typically between 5 and 15 bars. Okay. You need an air storage vessel, so a large underwater tank that can hold the compressed air. It's made out of steel and concrete, and it's designed to you got to get that air in and out of that uh, tank, so you need some underwater pipelines that connect the air storage vessels to the power generation equipment that mm-hmm. is located on shore. And finally, you have the power generation equipment, so it converts the compressed air to electricity okay. uh, when it's released from the storage vessels. Now, the operation of the underwater CAAES system can be divided into four stages. Oh, this is just getting more exciting as I go on here. <laughs> so keep going with this. I can tell you more about it. Keep going, sure. All right. So, four stages are charging, storage, discharge, and generation. So, charging again during periods of low electricity demand, electri- mm-hmm. uh, excess electricity is used to power the uh, air compressor that compresses the air. Storage, of course, you keep it in a tank, discharge when you release it, 
And uh, yeah, there you go. So pros, high energy density. So uh, these systems can store large amounts of energy in a relatively small volume, uh, which is important for grid scale energy storage. Another advantage is long duration. So you can store the energy this way for long periods of time. Oh, so it doesn't degrade. Yeah, you can store it from several hours to several days. So uh, mm -hmm. it does have a lifespan, but uh, but yeah, it lasts, uh, it lasts a while. Oh, okay, cool. Flexibility, it can be used for both short-term and long-term energy storage, depending on the needs of the grid. Also, you have a fast response time. So the CAES systems can quickly respond to changes in demand of supply of electricity providing fast grid balancing services. On top of this, once the thing is built, it has relatively low maintenance costs. And finally, although this is, this is a little touchy for me or a little maybe disputable, environmental benefits. Right. So the, the, what they say they are. Yeah, the compressed air systems do not emit any greenhouse gases or pollutants while they're operating. Oh, okay. And they have relatively low impact. Okay. But, you know, so considering those handful of advantages, there are some uh, cons or some disadvantages. So you are limited in your location, right? You need uh, to be near water, for example. Right, um, yeah. Pressures that you need. Mm -hmm. Initially, you're looking at high upfront costs to build these things. Okay. And uh, efficiency losses. So during the, the energy storage, so yeah, maybe this is why it only lasts from days to a couple weeks. You're you're losing you're losing your energy. Oh, you do. Uh, in the storage and through retrieval. Okay. Uh, so the energy is lost due to heat dissipation and air compression inefficiencies. Gotcha. So it reduces your overall efficiency of the system. Um. Limited storage capacity. I, this all. I, I, it seems to me that it can be scaled up. Right. But get a few more sheep spiders together. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems that there are other uh, other technologies such as pumped hydro or just batteries that uh, that have better uh, storage capacity. Oh, so, so you're completely giving up on this one, then? It's like that. Oh, yeah, it sounds terrible. Oh no! Well, I mean, there's. What are they thinking? So just trying to balance, you know, not balance, just give sort of a balance. Yeah, um, it looks like they're noisy too, which, oh, compressed, air compressors are so loud. Yeah, but there you go. So if you happen to be nearby one of the, one of the plants, yeah. uh, it, could be, it could be a concern. I wonder if you could muffle it though, because there are sound boards that you can get that are pretty good. So maybe they could muffle it. You know, I'm really not sure to uh, to what degree it's, it's a problem. It just seems that's a potential one. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been very few commercial applications. The world's first underwater compressor energy storage system was installed uh, right here in Ontario, actually. Oh, yeah. By a Canadian firm called Hydrostar. Yay, stars. Yeah, it's uh, located just a couple kilometers Store. off uh, offshore Lake Ontario. I think it's in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, okay. and uh, the mechanical facilities on shore, of course, that uh, I see it is near Toronto. And uh, yeah, so it's cool that, I don't know. Is it working? It. It's still doing its thing? It's, you... The most up-to-date information I have says it is, but I, okay. have, uh, I have limited information on it. Yeah. There's, there are a few other companies uh, okay. I'll just quickly mention. 
case anybody might want to look them up. There's Light Sail Energy throughout the U.S. So that's Light Sail, General Compression. So these folks are all using the same same basic uh, technologies, my understanding. Okay. Uh, there's Sustain X, another U.S. And then uh, here's a name that uh, many folks might be familiar with, Siemens, out of Germany. So they're into it, too. Oh, okay. Interesting. So is it in commercial use or are these guys just working on it? Do you know? My understanding or the information that I have on hand leads me to believe that the Hydrostar uh, operation in uh, Lake Ontario is the only one that is uh, has been commercialized. I'm not even sure if that if it's uh, commercialized or if it's proof of concept. So okay, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just see some information here. Um, the Canadian government actually invested $500,000 in the mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. So uh, government seems to believe them to the point where they back them for half a mil anyway. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I remember hearing about this stuff like a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, at least what research I've done like in the past few weeks here while we're looking up uh, similar topics, there's maybe not so much going on with it right now. Right. So, so it's gotcha. something that's up in the air. It seems that it might have a potential. You know, there are potential benefits of underwater compressed air storage are promising. The technology space still remains uncertain. The efficiency oh, okay. and cost effectiveness uh, still being studied and optimized. And there are concerns about environment impact, environmental impact, large scale underwater energy storage installations. So, yeah, I mean, even if you're not destroying the uh, shoreline, who knows what you're doing to the underwater ecology. So, I think yeah. That... So, it's getting a no from me. Yeah, it sounded like a neat idea. But you made it. You made it a good case against it. Well, let's have another. Let's have a look at um, an alternative here, which is CO two energy storage. Alrighty. Let's compare. So it's a type of carbon capture and storage. So for short, CCS technology that involves capturing carbon dioxide, CO2, emissions from industry processes, power plants or other sources, and storing them in a way that prevents them from entering the atmosphere. I like the sound of that so far. Yeah. Yeah. The more. Yeah. <laughs> the stored CO2 can then be used as a feedstock for various industrial processes or it can be injected into the geological formations. Hmm? Deep underground for long-term storage. Right. Okay. Caves. One potential application of CO2 storage is the production of renewable energy. Because the renewable energy sources of which such are, <laughs> that are What's such that as... I'm trying to say, tripping off of myself, uh, wind and solar, for example. These are intermittent and unpredictable. Energy storage is necessary to balance and su supply and demand. So that's similar to the one we were just looking at. Yeah, different, uh, different 
technology, but the same same goal of storing yeah. energy. So this is storing CO2, so I guess reducing. And I wonder if this is the one I was reading about that they take the CO2 and they convert it into a liquid first. Let's continue and find I'm out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Renewable energy storage is to store excess energy when it is produced and released back into the grid when it is needed. All right. There are different methods of CO2 energy storage, including mineralization, ocean storage, or geological storage, mineral mineralization yeah. <laughs> involves capturing CO2 and reacting it with minerals to form scalable carbonates. Interesting. So like take it apart which can be used in building materials. Ocean storage involves injecting CO2 into the ocean, okay, where it dissolves and it eventually sequestered in deep ocean sediments. That's interesting. Geological storage involves injecting CO2 into deep underground formations such as depleted oil and gas reservoirs or saline aquifers where it is trapped and stored permanently. While CO2 energy storage has the potential to be a viable tool in the fight against climate change, there are also some concerns about its safety and effectiveness. For example, there is a risk that stored CO2 could leak back into the atmosphere, potentially causing environmental damage or health problems. There. Yeah. There is also a question of whether CO2 energy storage can be scaled up enough to make significant impact on global greenhouse gas emissions. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds a little iffy, this, to me. Well, it's, I think it, it's, like, if it can't be scaled up to make a significant impact, mm -hmm. I guess it would have to come play in hand or, or go with it hand in hand with reduced emissions to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, you would hope that if you reduced emissions enough that you would actually be able to scale up the CO2 energy storage. You know, if you didn't have to store as much, then it wouldn't have to be scaled up as high. But I mean, then how much do we have to do in emissions reduction before this works at a significant level? Yeah, anyway, I don't think this, I'm not liking this kind of method. It doesn't sound great to me. Well, I guess... To me, it's like it's not, unless we're doing other things, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be the one thing that we can hang our hat on, that's for sure, for sure. There have to be other technologies used in conjunction with this for it to be, uh, really make a difference, I think. Indeed. Many researchers and companies are continuing, continuing to explore the potential of CO2 energy storage as a way to mitigate the impacts of climate change. Okay. There have been several recent advances in CO2 storage systems. One such technology is the use of batteries to store energy produced with renewable generation capacity is high. So we can use it later as we need it. Use of batteries to store. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this like is. Lithium, yeah. car lithium carbon batteries. 
think would be one of them. There have been several advances in CO2 energy storage systems. One such technology is the use of batteries to store energy produced when renewable generation capacity is high. So we can use it later as we need it. With the world's renewable energy capacity reaching record levels, grid scale battery facilities that can store increasingly large amounts of energy are enjoying record growth. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's interesting. Slightly confusing. There's, okay, let's have a look at these companies here that are dealing with this um, and see what they're, see if we can find out what they're inventing. Interesting. Carbon Clean Solutions, this is a UK-based company that has developed a technology that captures CO2 emissions from the industry processes and uses them to create a range of products, including chemicals, fuels, and building materials. Okay, so they reuse them. Interesting. Which is good, like, because it's, you know, maybe preventing more from being yeah. created. So Climeworks is a Swiss company. This has developed direct air capture technology that removes CO2 from the atmosphere and stores it underground or uses it for other applications such as greenhouses or carbonated beverages. Well, interesting. Well, yeah, okay. Wow. I think it'd be even cooler if they're like scrubbing the old smokestacks and then converting that crap into Yes, but hey, it's cool. You can drink it, kind of. <laughs> it can make you burp. <laughs> Should be their tagline. It can make you burp. <laughs> Carbon Cure Technologies. This Canadian company has developed a technology that injects CO2 into concrete Oh, during the manufacturing process, where it reacts with calcium ions to create stronger and more durable material. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that one. I wonder if it's compatible with the self-healing concrete. Hmm. That is interesting. Uh, I immediately wonder, it's like, okay, this all has to be done in a, like if you, a technology injects carbon dioxide into concrete during the manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because carbon dioxide into the concrete. Yes. Well, Okay, you pour it's part concrete. of the mixture. Yeah. I mean, they probably change it first. Oh, and there, again, I'm a little dead. But it's like, okay, so you're basically, your concrete has to be wet, right? So you got like your dry mix and then you add water. And then you, then I guess you're adding CO2 as well. I'm, my, all I'm wondering, or my brain immediately went was, where is this CO2 coming from? And how is it actually being injected in, into the slurry mix? Like, is it, are you, are you releasing as much carbon dioxide into the air as you're putting into the concrete? Cause you're always on site, right? You pour concrete mm -hmm. where you need it. Like you mix, you, I mean, you don't necessarily need to mix it on site. It just has to be mixed, has to be ready to pour on site. And yeah, so I'm very curious about that. I'm going to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. See if I, see if I can find out it. the exact methods in, in yeah. that one. Interesting. So next up, Carbon Capture Machine is a U.S.-based startup that has developed a portable CO2 capture and storage system that can be used in a variety of settings from power plants to construction sites. 
Okay, so they'd capture the exhaust fumes at a construction site. Right. I wonder if you're interesting. Again, something that would be worth looking into a little bit more. Because it's me, yeah, what are they storing it in? How are they capturing it? Interesting, yeah. And that's all we have time for today. Stay tuned for more episodes and catch us later. Bye, y'all.